0: Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.PurposeMCC.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. Right now, uh, I want you to take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We kind of, or I am playing with some new stuff tonight, so just have to bear with me. But uh, First Samuel chapter sixteen. I, I want to uh, talk tonight about. I want to stay on the subject that we were on Sunday morning uh, about holiness, and uh, uh, Sunday morning you might not have been here, we talked about Moses coming to the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 and how he met God at the burning bush and uh, and God told him to take his shoes off because the place where he was standing was holy and, uh, and we talked about how he met the holiness of God and uh, all throughout scripture, all throughout scripture we see this, this theme of holiness and uh, God is holy and, and we know that and uh, so we understand that but, but sometimes we don't transfer it from God being holy to God's uh, desire or God's mandate I should say on us to be holy as well so that's what I want to talk about tonight, uh, and and I, the reason I put First Samuel sixteen six up here first uh, tonight is because there's there's such a powerful uh, lesson in that uh, one verse that I think uh, kind of sets the stage for what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, in First Samuel chapter sixteen and verse six, and it came to pass. Uh, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before, uh, is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Don't look on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Uh, there's a couple of things that I want to, uh, to bring out about that. First thing is, I believe uh, that Samson was was basing his his side or whatever on his uh, God choosing Saul. You remember it says about Saul that Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else. So undoubtedly he was a tall guy, uh, big guy, and uh, and the, here we see where uh, when Eliab came out. Uh, that uh, Samuel said, Surely this is the one. And uh, God said, You don't look on his countenance and don't look on the height uh, because I refused him. He said, For I don't see it as man sees. Now when you start talking about holiness, uh, the eyes of, of people sometimes view holiness much different than how God views holiness alright Saw Samuel said uh, or God spoke to Samuel and said I don't look on his countenance in other words I don't look at his face and I don't determine I don't choose anybody because of, of the countenance uh, the way they're looking I don't choose them because of the height the lack thereof I don't choose them because they weigh a certain uh, weight uh, I don't I don't choose people for that. God said, I refused him. Uh, and he said, The Lord doesn't see as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And that's, that's the, uh, the, the context that I want us to get out of that, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Uh, m- many times people... Try to fix the outside up. Try to get the outward looking good. And, and they can do a pretty good job of it. Put the right makeup on, get the right hair color, uh, put a little tan on that body and, and all that and put some clothes on and, and stuff like that. And you would be looking good, man. You can take you can take, a, you can take it on an antique car and put some paint on it and, uh, and fix it up and make it look good, can't you, Brother John? Don't say amen, too loud there now. But but you can you can uh, you can fix the outside up. But it doesn't matter what you do to the outside, the inside is what matters. And so uh, I want us one of the things that I want to get across tonight is that that we're in a culture and and, and even around in our area uh, many times people might judge you by the way that you look on the outside. They might judge you by what you wear or what you don't wear or something like that. And they, we, we made, And listen, I'm not bashing any any denomination. I'm not bashing people. If if God has convicted you, ladies, that you need to wear a dress, then then praise God. Hallelujah, wear your dress. If he's convicted you that you don't need to wear makeup, praise the Lord. Uh, you know, you do what God's convicted you to do. But, but uh, we must be careful and not pass what God has convicted us to do off on somebody else. All right? Because my, God might not have convicted them in certain things. If God's told you not to drink uh, Coca-Cola... Uh, he didn't tell Glenn Ratchford that. All right, Glenn said you're probably not hearing God if he told you not to drink Coca-Cola. But, but uh, you know, God deals with us differently. But I don't think he deals with us differently in our heart. I think God is pretty straight line when it comes to our heart. There, there, there might be, there might, you might wear makeup, I might not. Uh, you might wear a dress, I might wear pants and you say praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah but, uh, and <clears throat> you know you might wear uh, long sleeve shirts and I might wear polo shirts. but it's the condition of my heart that God is looking at. all right Now listen, don't go so far to think that pastors saying, well, you know I can I can dress how I want to dress. Uh, my heart's good you know, I can wear it or not wear it or whatever, uh, I believe God's got standards, okay? I believe He's got dress standards. I believe He's got ways that, that His people should dress, alright? Uh, and I, I believe He's got ways for ladies to dress. I believe He's got ways for men to dress. And uh, so when, when we understand that, that God looks at my heart, God doesn't look at uh, my outward, uh, Samuel, now Samuel was one who received from God and gave it to men. In other words, Samuel was was keen on hearing God. But even Samuel fell into this thing about looking out on the outside and thinking that that's the one that God chose because of their height uh, or, or the stature or, or, or something like that. But we know that that God doesn't see things like that, and so uh, I want us to uh, wrong one. I want you to look at at First Peter chapter one, and uh, because that's that's where we're gonna we're gonna kind of go from First Peter chapter one. And verse 13, First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You might ask, Pastor, why are you talking about holiness? I don't know. I can't remember the last time that I preached uh, specifically on holiness, Uh, but I... The reason that I believe that God is dealing with me, about holiness is, is that holiness is, as we said Sunday, holiness is set up, being set apart. It's purity of your heart. It's purity inside of you. It's dealing with issues uh, that, that perhaps God are not pleased with, God's not pleased with. It's dealing with attitudes that are, are unhealthy spiritually. It might be dealing with, with uh, a lack of self-control in you where you lose control of your emotions and you say things or you do things that, that hurt you, that hurt someone around you. Uh, more than that, that grieves Holy Spirit. You see, when there's a lack of holiness in a person's life, there are two things that will happen you will always quench what Holy Spirit is wanting to do in your life, and you will always grieve Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit uh, is, is very sensitive to the things that go on inside of us. And so the reason that we need to understand the power of holiness, how many of you know that God still hates sin in 2018? He still hates sin in 2018. And, and sin grieves Holy Spirit. Sin quenches Holy Spirit and, and cuts off the ability for Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So when we understand the power of holiness inwardly, it brings power to us. It brings the anointing on my life. And and when I understand that if I will walk holy, if I will talk holy, if I will see holy, if I will be holy, then I am opening myself up to the anointing of God to operate and move in my life. Now, Peter said this, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation. Of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look at look at a few things here. You know, Jesus said in Luke chapter twelve, and verse fifteen, he said this: "Let not let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning." What was he talking about there? Let your loins be girded about, and your lights be burning. You remember the story in the book of Exodus chapter twelve when God was about to, uh, to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he told Moses, he said, get you a lamb, lamb for the house, uh, slay the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, sidepost of the house. And uh, he said, but tell the, the people uh, to eat with their loins girded. Tell them to eat the Passover ready to leave out, ready to move out. In other words, God said, Moses, I want them to eat, but I want them to to be ready to go because at the sound or at the time, they need to move out. And uh, Jesus, I believe, was using that analogy here in Luke chapter uh, 15, or 12 and verse 15 when he said, uh, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Now why uh, did I bring that up? Because Peter uh, used that same analogy in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 when he said, Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. How do I gird up the loins of my mind? And In other words, if you read that same verse in Uh, the English Standard Version, it says, prepare your mind for action. All right? Prepare your mind for action. And, And so if we read it like that, that Peter said, prepare your mind for action, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, he said, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves, according to the former lust of your in uh, in your ignorance now let's let's catch what peter is saying here He's saying guys prepare your mind for action gird up the loins of your mind as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in other words you you can't you don't need to go back to the old ways alright when you became a born again Christian you need to separate from those old ways you need to separate from those old mindsets those old attitudes and you say well pastor I just can't get away from from my old habit well you need to get under the blood of Jesus you need to get you need to get your mind set up for action uh, and listen uh, when you prepare your mind for action, I want you to understand something about holiness. Holiness is not something that that you're gonna you're gonna be praying and God's gonna slap you and say you got holiness. All right. All right. I, I wish that it worked like this. I wish that, that I could invite everybody to the altar tonight and just go by and tap, 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 tap you on the head and say, oh, y'all got holiness now, so you're ready to go. I wish I could do that, but that's not how holiness works. Listen, salvation comes by faith in Christ. When I pray and believe and, and, and ask, salvation comes, but holiness is something that is active that I have to in act in my life. I can't do it on my own. I have to do it through the power of Holy Spirit but holiness is active. If I'm not careful uh, those those former ways, Peter said the former lust will will creep back in and those old attitudes, those old ideas, those old friends, Those old words, those old shows, those old things like that will creep back in and and rob me. Another thing about holiness, holiness is intentional. You have to be intentional about walking in holiness. All right? It has to be something that it, it has to be active. Every day of your life, you have to make the decision, God, today I am going to... Keep myself pure and separated from things that I know would grieve Holy Spirit or would quench Holy Spirit from operating in my life. Does that mean that you're going to walk in perfection? Does that mean that you're going to be able to do this all the time and everything's going to be good and you're never going to make mistakes? No. But remember, God is looking at your heart, God is seeing your heart. It's one thing for me to mess up today on a certain a specific area, but it's another thing if I go out tomorrow and do the exact same thing that I repented of yesterday and then go out the next day and do it again and again and again. You see, God is looking at my heart. I might tell people, well, you know, I just can't help it i i, I can't I can't help it. But God knows my heart because God knows deep down that is something that hasn't been committed to him. That's something that I have not given to Christ and I, it's something that I have not brought under the power of the blood and repented and and given it to Christ. So uh, holiness uh, is active. It is something that is that has to be active in your daily life. All right? And, and you say, well, Pastor, how do, I, how do I get this process going? You just begin to pray. Lord, show me myself as you see me. God, show me my attitude as you see it. God, show me. God, deal with me. Holy Spirit, don't let me do anything that's going to grieve you. Don't let me do anything. Don't let me say something about uh, somebody else that's going to grieve you, Holy Spirit. My greatest desire is to host Holy Spirit in such a way that he is, he is constantly working and moving in my life. I, I saw one preacher, uh, heard one preacher say it like this. He said, if you had a dove on your shoulder and, and you knew that that dove was on your shoulder, how would you walk? I used to have a parakeet when I was a kid coming up. And uh, my, my parakeet uh, could talk. That's very unusual for parakeets. But my parakeet could talk. Uh, and he learned to say my name. And that is extremely unusual. Most people can't say my name. But, but uh, Pete, the parakeet, learned how to talk. And, and he could say my name. He could say, Good morning, Cornelius, and, and things like that. But uh, we would let Pete out of his cage, and, and Pete would come and land on your shoulder. And when he landed on your shoulder, I walked differently because I knew that he was there, and I didn't want to do anything that would startle him. I didn't want to do anything that was going to upset him, so I kind of walked like this and I was constantly looking and watching Pete. And if you were carrying a, if you were carrying a dove on your shoulder, and, and you would walk, you would walk a little bit different. All right? You, you would walk with an awareness that I've got this dove or this, this parakeet on my shoulder. And listen, that's what God wants to do with the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants you to walk with an awareness that you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and walk with an awareness that every action, every attitude, every word, every look, every mindset, everything, Holy Spirit is moving in your life. See, the power of holiness is this, that, that uh, when God looks at the heart, God looks and says there is nothing in your heart that is grieving my spirit. There is nothing in your heart that is quenching the ability for Holy Spirit to flow in your life. Amen? Listen, in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1 and 2, Paul said this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present, that you present, that you present your bodies uh, as living sacrifice, holy, holy, Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? How, do I, how am I transformed? By the renewing of my mind. Listen, your mind is the biggest battleground of your life. Your mind is where things happen that grieve Holy Spirit. Your mind is where things happen that quench Holy Spirit. It's in your mind. And, and uh, what Paul was saying, he's saying, guys, understand this. I want to encourage you. I want to implore you uh, to present your bodies. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. Uh, and and uh, then he said, and don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen. Psalm 19 and verse 14 said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I'm sorry, I forgot to put it up there. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. That's the two areas where I have the biggest problem. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Those are two two things that if you don't control them, they will rob you of your holiness. They will rob you of your purity uh, in the presence of God. In Ephesians chapter uh, 1 and verse 3 and 4, Paul said this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. How many of you know God desires for us to be holy? God, and listen, guys, it's not self-righteous. It's not self-righteousness. It's not holiness that I have established. It's holiness that is birthed out of relationship with God. It's holiness that is birthed out of reading the Word of God. Listen, you don't know how to live until you understand the Word of God. See, Holy Spirit Spirit acts off of the Word of God. So when we get the Word of God inside of us, Holy Spirit begins to move on that word and conviction begins to happen in our lives. That's the reason that it's so important. Listen, you might not read the whole Bible through in a year. You might not have one of those uh, 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 Bible reading things that, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. One of those, read the Bible through in a year. You might not have one of those. You might not be able to do that. I, I struggle to do that. But, but listen, you need to get some kind of word in your life because that's where your strength is. That's where your power lies when God takes the word and begins to breathe on the word of God in your life. All right. Uh, in Exodus chapter 19, uh, and verse ten I-, I want to to put this this passage of scripture in there uh, and here's the picture: the children of Israel now have they've crossed the Red Sea and they've been going through the wilderness, and now they're coming up to uh Mount Sinai, which is the mountain of God, and Mount Sinai is where God spoke to Moses. It's where God gave Moses the law. It's where God gave him the Ten Commandments. Uh, and all that it is the mountain of God. And, and so uh, here the, the children of Israel are coming up to the mountain. But I want you to notice what God said uh, to Moses. He said, go to the people in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 10. He said, go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. All right. Notice that word, sanctify. He said, Moses, uh, go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. And verse 11 says, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. Sinai. It was such a holy gathering. It was such a holy event and such a powerful presence of God that God said, Moses, tell them on down uh, in in the later verses. He said, Moses, tell them, caution them that they don't break through, that they don't touch this mountain. He said, because if they touch this mountain, uh, they're going to die. But even to come close to the mountain, God said, Moses, sanctify the people. Tell them to wash their clothes. What is that that telling us in 2018? It's telling us that God is still requiring us that when we come close to him, that we need to sanctify ourselves. We need to purify ourselves. That we don't listen, I'm glad I don't have to wash my clothes every time I come in the presence of God. I'm glad that I don't have to stick them in a washing machine, Sister Willanette, and wash them up because I'm fixing to go into the presence of God. Because God doesn't look at my clothes anymore. God doesn't look at my shoes anymore. God looks at my heart. And what do I do when I want to get in the presence of God? I sanctify my heart. I say, God, look at my heart. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. And, and when I do that, I, I wash myself with a washing of the word of God. You see, in Moses, uh, God spoke to Moses, and he spoke to the people from the mountain, and it's, it's the same basic thing today. God still requires sanctity and cleanliness and purity when we come before him in 2nd uh, Corinthians chapter 7 and we, we read this the other day our Sunday I want to I want to just real quickly uh, look at it again we talked about Sunday uh, where Paul said having therefore these promises uh, he said dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves and from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, uh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now let's kind of let's kind of dig in that verse for just a moment. Uh, notice what Paul said: "Having therefore these promises." Now we talked about the promises Sunday. We talked about that that list of promises in in uh, in uh, chapter six, in the latter part of chapter six. Paul gave us. A list of the promises that he was talking about and he said now having these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit not only cleanse ourselves of all the filthiness of the flesh but also of the spirit so how is how can I cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh? Does that mean I need to take a, take a bath? No. That's not what Paul was talking about. What Paul was talking about is I need to cleanse myself. Uh, when I cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh, that is things that, that, that take place as a result of my flesh not being under the authority of God. That's, that's things that take place that is that is a, a, a an attitude that I've got that is uh, that dishonors God that is a that is a, a tendency to judge my neighbor that dishonors God. That's a tendency uh, to lose my cool. those are works of the flesh and that's what Paul was talking about he said cleanse ourselves from all, Filthiness of the flesh, and of the spirit, and then he said, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, in chapter six that that we just uh, talked about, or, or chapter seven that we just talked about, Paul said, cleanse yourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Now, we didn't talk about this Sunday, but I and and I want to uh, cover it tonight. But there there are five things that Paul listed in Second Corinthians chapter six that will rob you of of your will rob you of your ability uh, to walk in purity or holiness before God. These five things will rob you uh, of even of your relationship with God if you're not careful. But they will rob you of your, of your closeness with God and being able uh, to stand before God with a pure heart, with clean hands and a pure heart. And Guys, that means so much when you can stand before God and say, God, here I am. Search me, look at me. I've not done anything intentionally uh, to to fail you, God. Uh, my heart is pure and my heart is clean. But in Second Corinthians chapter six and verse fourteen, uh, let's just read that: "Be not ye, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. <clears throat> For what fellowship does righteousness uh, with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? And what concord?" Hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? <clears throat> For you are the temple of the living God; as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters," says the Lord Almighty. <clears throat> now, I want you to notice something here. <clears throat> excuse me. I, I want to talk about these. <clears throat> excuse me. These five things. The first one is in verse fourteen, that uh, Paul said, "Be not unequally yoked." Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness. Now we we use that verse a lot. I've used it many, many times with my daughters when they would would want to date a guy or something like that and I would tell them, I said, that is not an equal yoke and, and uh, you're going to be unequally yoked in that relationship and that's not God's plan, that's not God's will and you don't need that kind of relationship. But it can go farther than that. Uh, to be unequally yoked uh, can be any uh, relationship that you have with people where you are yoked together and that, that yoke, that word yoke, is the key word in, in, that, in that little uh, uh, verse 14 because when you yoke yourself together with somebody, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen an oxen yoke uh, uh, for a double double yoke of oxen or, or two yoke. I don't know how it's supposed to be. It's two yoke or two oxen that work side by side, but it's a double yoke. And that double yoke is joined together. And when you put two oxen together in that double yoke, if you've got one oxen that is weak or lazy, and you've got another oxen that is full of fire and full of vigor and full of strength and ready to go, it won't be long that that lazy oxen will drag that strong oxen down because they both have to go together because they're yoked together. All right? That's the picture that Paul was painting in these verses when he said, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? In other words, guys, you need to be careful who you yoked yourself up with. All right, now listen, if you're yoked together tonight with a husband that doesn't believe or a wife that doesn't believe uh, and, and the key the key word there is husband or wife, I am not telling you to go out and get a divorce. All right? You made that decision. You need to deal with it. all right. That's right, Miss Sarah. If you ain't got one, don't go out and find one. <laughs> All right, but even in in our relationships uh, outside of of a marital relationship, you need to be careful who you yoke yourself. In other words, you need to be careful who you come alongside and and who you confide in who you look to for advice, who you look to for counsel and things like that. You need to be careful uh, who you yoke yourself up with because if you yoke yourself up with the wrong person, they will drain you. They will drain you of your anointing. They will drain you of your joy, and they'll drain you of your peace. All right. And then the second part of verse 14, Paul said, In what communion does light have with darkness? That word communion means have in common, partnership, fellowship. In other words, Paul said, What uh, partnership or what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? Now, Paul wasn't saying you need to to cut off everybody in your life that that are not Christians. That's not what he was saying. All right? We've got to love people. We've been called. Listen, we've been called to be lights in the darkness. We've been called to reach out in the darkness and let the light of the gospel shine. We've been called to reach those that are lost with the gospel of Christ. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying you need to be careful, though, who you partner up with. Any kind of relationship, doesn't matter what it is, if it's on the job, or if it's, if, if it's a neighbor, or, or who it might be, you need to be careful who you partner up with. You need to be careful who you partner, put all your faith and your trust in and who you follow and then in verse 15 he said what concord uh, has Christ with Belial and that word concord I'm falling down on the the thing here guys y'all have to remind me I'm not used to doing this that word concord means sounding together or symphony. All right? And then have Christ with Belial, and that word Belial simply means a worthless individual, an individual that is of no good. All right? So if I put it in, in, in my words, I need to be careful who I sing together with. I need to be careful who I make music with. All right? All right? Listen, if they don't encourage you in your walk with God, if they don't encourage you in your faith, if they don't encourage you to pursue God, then then you need to be careful who you play the fiddle with. All right? That doesn't mean that you in a mean way and in a self-righteous way say I can't hang around with you anymore and I can't I can't talk to you anymore because Pastor said I don't need to have any, I don't need to play music with you no more. Brother John, you're gonna keep on, brother. You're gonna get in trouble back there, okay? <laughs> But listen, see, and and this is where self righteousness has come in and robbed many people of their blessing. Guys, I, you know, I, and I don't, I don't judge people, but I want, I want you to know that that I, I've got, I've got friends, I, I've got people that I know. Tonight, that and I and there are places that that I would not be able to stand in their pulpit and and preach. They would not allow me to come into their church and preach. Places that that I grew up in. Places that that uh, I I grew up years and years in and 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 I would not be allowed to come in uh, and and minister in their service because of the way that I dress or uh, because of uh, the mustache or something like that and and listen that is that is where we we go off of what God is wanting us to do. Anything outside of love is outside of God, all right? Anything that is outside of the love of God is outside of God. And so we have to be careful that even though, and, and, and nearly every one of these points that I'm bringing out tonight has something to do with relationships. It has something to do. When you're, when you're, not, uh, un, when you're unequally yoked together uh, with unbelievers, what is that? That's, that's relationships. Uh, when you have fellowship uh with what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness what is he talking about he's talking about a relationship uh with something or somebody there what communion does light have with darkness that's a relationship what does what does uh what relationship does light have with darkness and and then he uh, goes on down and the next one he said what part hath he that believeth with an infidel. See, there's another, it's relationship. It's relationship. So you have to be careful about the type relationships that you allow in your life. All right? And that doesn't necessarily mean person-to-person relationships. That could mean things that you're listening to. That could mean things that you that you hear, things that you uh, watch on TV and things like that. You have to be careful not to allow those things to come in and rob you of your peace. And then the last one, he said, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? He said, for you are the temple of the living God. All right. You remember in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, and the Old Testament Tabernacle. You remember that. You remember, and and we've talked about it a lot. It's one of my favorite uh, subjects. But but when you when you approached the Old Testament Tabernacle, you would come into a, a courtyard, and and in in order to get into that courtyard, you had to come through a gate. That's, that's what the psalmist was talking about. I will enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. But, but you would go through the gate and then you would come to the tabernacle proper. And, uh, but before you got to the tabernacle, there was this huge uh, altar there called the burnt altar. All right? And it was on this burnt altar where the sacrifice was offered. That, that altar represents the cross. That altar represents the sacrifice, uh, the giving of sacrifice. And then when you went past this great uh, brazen altar, the next thing that you would get to would be uh, the bronze laver. And the bronze laver was just a big bowl uh, with water where the priests would go and wash themselves before going in, to the tabernacle it's a form of purification it's a, it's, a, it's a form of washing and cleansing themselves before they went into the holy place but something I want you to notice there the farther you go into the tabernacle the more it requires purity and holiness alright you go into the tabernacle and on the left side you've got the, the uh, candle uh, sticks uh, the, the, the golden candle stick that, that provides light there and, and uh, then on the right side you've got the table of showbread uh, that's there, that that represents the word of God, and and uh, that was changed out every day. There was fresh bread put there, and that lets us know that God wants us to have fresh bread in our life every day. He wants us to have a fresh word from Him every day. And then uh, you go straight ahead, and there's this this other altar, but it's not an altar of sacrifice. It's an altar of praise of incense. And the priest would go to that altar and put incense on that altar. And when he would put incense on that altar, the aroma of that incense would drift up through through that tabernacle. And it was a sweet-smelling savor unto God. And he would stand there at this altar of incense and worship. And just worship and praise and and magnify God and glorify God and and exalt His name and and then uh, he would move into the holiest of all, in behind the veil, where he would take the blood and apply it to uh, the horns of the altar inside the holiest of all. But every step, every step, when 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 you enter into the gate. Every step was taking you closer and closer and closer to the presence of God. And every step was requiring a, 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 a purity and a holiness before God. All right? Listen, Paul said, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? He said, because you, you and I tonight are the temple of, of the living God. That's an awesome statement. That's a big deal, guys. When you say, I'm the temple of the living God, that's a big deal. That's a big thing, all right? To know that we've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the powerful, mighty Holy Spirit is living inside of us, working in us, moving in me, speaking to me, guiding me, and directing my steps. Man, it's, it's just awesome. And then you go down to verse 17, and he said, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. All right? And here's here's the results. So we talk about that Sunday morning. Here's the payoff on that. The results of that is this God will be a father to us, and we will be sons and daughters. All right. And I told you Sunday morning, don't 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 miss what that verse is saying. Don't miss what God is saying to you in that verse when he says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. That lets me know, that lets me know that my heavenly father is going to care about me. He's going to take care of me better than my earthly father every thought about being able to do. And you might be here tonight and you say, Pastor, I never had an earthly father that cared anything about me. I never had an earthly mom that, that cared anything about me. Well listen, that verse needs to be more special to you than than it would be to me, who had a loving father and a loving mother that, that loved me deeply. If you say I didn't have that, just to be able to say tonight that that if I am willing to separate myself from all these things, if I am willing, and listen, all this is, guys, is you need to guard yourself, guard your heart, guard your mind, and be aware of things that come in that might grieve or quench Holy Spirit. All right? It's not that you look down your nose at somebody else that might not be doing it the way you're you're doing it. God might not be dealing with them. They might not be as far along as you are. You might not be as far along as someone else. You don't worry about everybody else. This is between me and God. This is between me and God. The end result, the bottom line, is that when I come before him, I want to hear God say, "There's my boy. There's my son. There's my daughter. There she is. There she look at her. She's coming again. She's coming. She's coming." You see, <clears throat> as you look at <clears throat> at these things, I, I think of Solomon. Uh, you know, Solomon had everything you could imagine. He had uh, wisdom and all that but the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 uh, that, that Solomon loved many strange women and, and he loved many strange women of, that came from nations that God had told them to leave them alone and the reason that God said leave them alone he said because surely they will cause your heart to turn away from me but yet Solomon was drawn to that. Solomon was drawn uh, to loving strange women, and they pulled his heart away from God. How does that apply to you and I? We have to be careful who we come together with. All right. We have to be careful who we establish relationships with and make sure that they don't pull our hearts away from God. In the book of Judges, and I'm fixing to close, but in Judges chapter 16 is the story of Samson. Samson is another prime example, <clears throat> uh, a very vivid example of a man. Uh, and, and I don't have that on, on the uh, board, but Samson is, is a, an example of an individual who was gifted greatly. Samson had a a powerful gift. He was very gifted. All right? He was used by God in such awesome ways. But listen, Samson had some character issues that Samson did not deal with. Samson had some character flaws that he did not deal with. And you know what happened? Samson's character flaws robbed him of the anointing and robbed him of the gift that God had given him. What does that tell us tonight? It tells us this. Holy Spirit will always, will always, will always peg me in areas that I am wrong in my life. Holy Spirit will always say. That's not a good attitude. Always. He will. That's the the awesomeness of Holy Spirit. He won't let you keep going. Keep messing up. Until you destroy yourself. But he will always. Knock on your heart. And say hey. Hey. That's not right here. This is not good. Because Jesus said when Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convince you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's his responsibility, and he does what he was sent to do. All right? But he knocked on Samson's heart more than likely and said, Samson, you don't need to do this. Samson turned a deaf ear to it and he continued to go and go and go and go until there was a day when Samson got up and said Holy Spirit I need you now but Holy Spirit wasn't there anymore. Yes. You see and you say oh but pastor that would never happen to me. It happens all the time. Listen, but but because because we're not taking the jawbone of a donkey and killing a bunch of Philistines, and because we're not taking the gate of the city on our shoulder and walking off, we don't realize that that that's on the inside of us, that Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me, is just the same power that Samson had thousands of years ago. And, and that Holy Spirit is grieved and quenched just as it was in Samson's life thousands of years ago. And when I get to the place, when I get in a spot in the era that I need God to come and I need a miracle today and I begin to pray and Holy Spirit is nowhere around. You know, the sad thing about Samson is he was the last one to know that he had lost the anointing. Everybody else around him knew. Samson was the last one to know that he lost the anointing. Listen, don't trade holiness for a little satisfaction. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? the thing that I believe guys is this I believe that God's wanting to do some special things in the lives of men and women at McCullough Christian Center I believe God wants to do some special things in your life and my life and I'm not putting something up here I'm not dangling a bone in front of you and say, if you'll do this, God's going to do this. If you'll act like this, God's going to do this. I'm not doing that. But I am telling you tonight that if you begin to seek God, if you begin to pray, Holy Spirit will lead you, and he will guide you, and he will show you what you need to do, and he will tell you how you need to do it. And in that, in that, When you can stand before God with a pure heart, with clean hands, it makes all the difference in the world. You see, it causes a boldness and an authority to rise up in you. When the devil doesn't have anything that he can condemn you on, when he doesn't have anything that he can throw in your face because it's all under the blood, it's all been given to Jesus. Amen. So I want us to pray tonight. If you want to take that journey, I want us to pray tonight and just commit yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? I just want to give myself to you. Lord, I I am so hungry and so thirsty for more of you that whatever it takes, whatever is required, I'm willing to do it. And tonight's going to be the start. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you tonight that, Father, you are holy. You are holy. You are holy. We know tonight that all of our righteousness, Father, is as filthy rags. We know that we can never work our way into your kingdom. We know that we can never earn our way but Father, we just receive by faith tonight. And Father, you said for us to be holy because you were holy. Father, we know tonight that that's beyond our ability, so we look to you and we commit ourselves to you tonight. Father, and we desire God to be found holy. God, we desire tonight God as the psalmist said to have clean hands and a pure heart God we desire that our actions be found holy before you that our character be found holy before you God that's what we desire and Lord tonight Father I pray over everyone that's in this room tonight Father because we know tonight that you're wanting to move and you're wanting to work in our lives. So Holy Spirit, we just release ourselves to you tonight in the name of Jesus. Do what you want to do in our lives. Guide us, Father. God show us those areas that we need to sever. Show us those those connections that we need to disconnect from. Lord show us those attitudes. Show us those uh, mindsets that we need to stop, that we need to break, Father. And Lord, tonight I thank you and I give you praise and we give you honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.